From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hours. We uh, enter into our 24th year uh, broadcasting and appreciate all all of you who have helped us along the way, especially you, the listeners uh, uh, who have been with us. And we hope uh, to hear from you. Uh, if you have somebody in uh, in your area, in your parish, in your school, in your community that maybe is doing the Lord's work out there, or maybe you have a parish ministry uh, that uh, needs some publicity, or maybe you have a parish mission coming up, uh, or a f- festival, uh, let us know about it. Uh, go to scd.org, Sacramento Catholic Diocese, and uh, information for our producer, Gabe Sorensen, and myself will be there. Our phone numbers, uh, email, etc., how to contact us, and let us know about uh, suggestions for topics or for guests for the Bishop's Hour. Much, much, much appreciated, and thanks to all of you who have been listening uh, along with us. Uh, it's, a, it's a labor of love. Well, it is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, one of the things we're glad about is uh, the telephone, because we are hooked up with Carla Broussard of Catholic Answers, who will be coming out here on Saturday, November the 5th, at St. Mel's Parish, a Men's Faith Day. Uh, with a special family faith renewal on Friday evening the 4th for the whole family from 7 to 9 p.m. St. Uh, St. Mel's, of course, on Pennsylvania Avenue in Fair Oaks. Uh, Carlo, good day to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me, buddy. Glad, glad to have you. I, we were talking with uh, Mike Ellison, uh, one of the people putting this great event together, and I said, you're the first person I've met from Louisiana whose last name doesn't end in O-U-X. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Broussard, that's, that's one of the most common names. So. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, Broussard is a very common name in southern Louisiana. Oh, very good. Is, is that Cajun? Yes, it is. I kind of figured that. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, much appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. We're... Uh, do you do you live in Louisiana now? No, I currently live in Southern California, uh, north of San Diego. Our Catholic Answers headquarters are right outside of San Diego. Right, right. And I live about sixty-five miles north of that. Okay, very good. Ex- explain a little bit about uh, Catholic Answers, the, a little bit of the background on it. What, what what led to the founding of that? I know it's such a popular program. Yeah, well, Catholic Answers as an organization was started, uh, you know, over, I think, 35 years now by Paul Keating, mm-hmm. where he responded to some Baptist leaflets that were left on the cars at the Catholic Church he was attending, and in responding, set up a P.O. box and received tons of uh, responses and thank you letters for the leaflets that he made and putting on Baptist cars at a Baptist church, and that was sort of the initiation of Catholic Answers as a 501c3, and it turned into uh, one of the leading uh, lay-run Catholic organizations dedicated to explaining and defending the Catholic faith, and I think it was in 2008 when our uh, radio program, Catholic Answers Live, uh, was established, and since then it's been going strong two hours a day every day uh, where we take in live calls with a variety of guests to answer those live calls, questions coming in. And, uh, yeah, and so we have a magazine online in print edition. We have a speaking ministry, and so it's a media ministry dedicated to explaining and defending the faith. So the... I'm always I'm always curious. Uh, where do most of the questions come from, especially the challenging questions? Yeah, well, um, most times the challenging questions are coming. Uh, sort of the Catholic Protestant dialogue has been our bread and butter at mm-hmm. Catholic Answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in recent years, with the change of the landscape, the questions have been indeed coming from those or skeptical to the faith and posing challenges uh, from the unbelievers, the group of unbelievers. From, from unbelievers at, uh, at all, yeah. Yeah, 
That is correct. That is mm-hmm. correct. So, you know, there has been a change in the landscape. The Catholic Protestant dialogue definitely has not died. It's still alive and well. But at Catholic Cancers, we've also had to broaden our apologetic horizons to take into account uh, skeptics and unbelievers because that is definitely on the rise. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's uh, very interesting. Uh, you know, it, but that's the first step is for a non-believer to contact you. Think about that, you know. Um, yeah. The opportunity there. Um, it's that's, that's just really something, you know, I, I think. Because, I mean, they could be doing anything. And, and maybe, maybe they're just, you know, they're just harassing you. Who knows? Uh, but for the most part, they probably aren't. Uh, I know of uh, many times I've uh, broadcast from the March for Life in San Francisco, the Walk for Life in San Francisco in January, and you know, once in a while there's a heckler or two. No, nothing, nothing major. Nothing, sure. nothing to worry about. I'd hate to discourage anybody from going because there, there are always a couple of hecklers, and and uh, you know the, you, you're told by the organizers do not engage with anybody. Blah blah blah. You know, and I go, no, I'm going to engage. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be a rebel. Uh, some 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 guy. Um, he called me a homophobe, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, we're marking walking for life. It it just had to do sure. with life uh, in the womb, you know. I mean, primarily, yeah. but we're walking for all life, all stages of life. Uh, uh, right. We're all created in the image and likeness of God, and I don't know where this came from, but he just threw it out there, and it was directed right at me. I actually had a microphone in my hand, but my fortunately, I had a partner who was also broadcasting with me, so. I, I kind of excused myself and I and I went over and I said, and not in a hostile way. I said, I'm I'm not quite grabbing uh, <laughs> your 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 message here. You know, yeah. what, what, why why would you say that? So you you people are all like you believe in this and this and this and this and this and this and this. You know, sure. And named about six things that I didn't believe in. You know, <laughs> and, right. And and. You know, we we engaged for a while, and before you know it, we exchanged phone numbers. Oh, great, great. Yeah, so that was a fruitful moment there. Yeah, <laughs> Catholic Answers, very seldom do we have hecklers in that sense. Uh, the majority of the time, it's people honestly inquiring, you know. Uh, if it's not a, if it, if it is indeed someone outside the boundaries of the Catholic Church, whether that be a non-Catholic Christian or just a non-Christian. It's folks who are honestly inquiring. Uh, sometimes they're attracted to the faith and actually seeking uh, further knowledge about the Catholic faith with sure. the possible possibil- possibility of becoming Catholic. But other times it's just an honest inquiry, like, wouldn't you Catholics believe and wanting clarification on uh, certain misconceptions that they've heard? Yeah, so... Obviously, there's there's it's 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 many folds. I was going to say it's twofold or threefold, but you you're you're helping to to uh, you know illuminate the faith for people uh, in a faithful way and in a positive way. Um, hoping you know uh, maybe maybe you uh, attract a convert, maybe you don't, but you've planted the seed and, and you might not know it, and maybe down the road something happens. Also, illuminating it for the faithful. Um, we, That's right. we can all use a little education. There, there, there are lots of times, uh, you know, people know I'm in broadcasting, and and uh, you'll get you'll get stopped in the grocery store and say, well, you know, and usually not 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 hostile. Uh, you know, I haven't really encountered much of that. You do a little bit on specific issues sometimes, uh, on on certainly on abortion, on the death penalty, on various various other things, but immigration. Um, but but primarily, you know, they're they're curious. And I said, well, I don't get the Blessed Mother stuff. And they don't usually say sure. Blessed Mother; they just say Mary. I don't get the Mary stuff. Um, I don't get this. I I'm all for you know, you guys do a lot of good work and stuff, but I I don't like this confession thing, you know. And right. so, and and a, a lot of us aren't armed with answers. We, you know, we, we, right. we kind of say, well, you know, yeah, I don't go to confession that often myself or, you know, it's not a good answer. <laughs> right, right. And, and so, 
that's that's where I think you folks are really filling a, a great need is is putting the you know putting putting meat on the plate for people to say yeah, yeah this is what we believe. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're dedicated to doing here at Catholic Answers is providing those Catholic answers to the questions that are asked us from all different uh, walks of life, all different audiences, and especially for us as Catholics. It's important that we know our faith and are able to articulate it in a very clear and persuasive way because our faith is indeed uh, the greatest good that we could possibly have. Ultimately, the Word of God himself, Jesus Christ, and all of the great gifts that our Lord has given us, the sacraments, right, and the, the papacy, and all of the different things that make up the body of truth of divine revelation and our heritage as Catholics. And given that we love everyone and commanded by our Lord to love everyone as we love ourselves, uh, we want to share that good, that great good with others so that others can come to, to possess it and to enjoy it and experience the delight and joy that our Lord wills for them to have. You know, my uh, beloved uh, eighth-grade social studies, government, etc., current events teacher years ago, uh, great man, beloved in the community. I went to public school in a small town. We didn't have any Catholic schools. And it was in adulthood, when I, when I became an adult, and he knew I was Catholic, and he'd, he'd say, let's sit down for a beer and some bowl of chips and some guacamole, and let's, let's talk. You know, and yeah. when we got through talking about football, we'd get around to, to talking about religion. And he was, he was Episcopal and, and very faithful, a very good man. And he said, I just will never bow down or some such thing to any pope. As long as you got right. a pope, you don't got me. You know, yeah. How let's say that let's say that he called your show. What yeah. would, what would you say to him? Because you just mentioned the papacy as you know as sure. one of yeah, uh, uh, yeah the jewels of the faith, if you will. Um, what would you say to him? Well, my first question would be, what do you mean by bow down? If well, he didn't. By, I don't know even know if those are his words. He just meant yeah. he he didn't want to follow a pope. Sure. Yeah. All right. So if it's just simply an issue of authority, my first question would be, if you were living in the first century, would you submit to the authority of the apostles? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's going to manifest whether it's authority itself that he has a problem with, or whether it is a matter of this man has the same authority that the apostles have. Mm-hmm. And so if he's willing to have submitted to the authority of the apostles, living in the first century, Say he received a letter from the Council Fathers at the Council of Jerusalem about Gentile converts and uh, and the various things that they were to do, certain precepts imposed upon them, and the teaching of St. Peter that we're saved by grace and not by circumcision, would he be willing to submit to that authority? Mm-hmm. And of course, if he's a Christian, he's going to have to say yes. And so in saying yes, that he's willing to submit to that authority, established by Jesus Christ, it's not the authority that's the problem. The problem would be this individual and his claim to be the successor to St. Peter and have Peter's Mm -hmm. authority. Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes, it's a factual question. Does this man, the Bishop of Rome, possess the authority that Peter and the Apostles had, and in particular St. Peter as the Keeper of the Keys? And that's where the, the, the conversation has to go. And for us as Catholics, providing that historical evidence that the Bishop of Rome, as the successor to St. Peter, has a unique and supreme authority uh, to shepherd the flock of Christ here on earth, both, both young and old, including the successors to the other apostles. And so establishing the historicity of Peter and his successors being the universal shepherd of Christ's flock here on earth. And so that's where the conversation would have to go. That's, so that's a couple of thoughts that I would share immediately. Very, very interesting. Uh, I'm glad you used the word that, his, that word historicity. He was also my history teacher. I, I wish I had known that word when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just basically <laughs> what that refers to is just establishing that it's a historical fact. Sure. It's the historical evidence. Right that would support our claim 
that the Bishop of Rome is the successor to St. Peter, and also that St. Peter received the unique authority from our Lord to exercise over and above and among the other apostles. Do you get questions from people saying, you know, I was at Mass on Sunday, and, and during the homily, blah, 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 I thought Father so-and-so said something off yeah. the wall. Do you get it? Do you get that? Yeah, absolutely. People call in all the time saying, I heard this priest say X, Y, Z. Right. Uh, how does that didn't sit right with me? All right, right. Please help me clarify that. And it's always difficult to respond to those sorts of questions because, listen, I know from my own experience, I've misinterpreted people. Mm-hmm. People have misinterpreted me. And so it's, uh, it is possible that a lot of times when people call in with those sorts of questions, they're simply misinterpreting what their pastor said. Right. Uh, so we have to treat those with sort of uh, a sense of delicacy. Kid gloves, uh, but, yeah. But we can always take the idea itself that mm-hmm. the person is struggling with and address that issue in and of itself, irrespective of whether it came from a particular priest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've... When I get cornered somewhere, uh, maybe a speaking engagement or something, and somebody, I say, I, I don't want to know a name or a parish or anything. Just tell me what what the issue is. Sure, know? that's right. That's yeah. right, because it's really not important uh, whence it's coming from. I mean, if it is coming from a shepherd of the flock and this is an erroneous idea, of course that does cause scandal and that is problematic, you know, and we want to pray for that priest and perhaps somebody... Uh, within their individual diocese, they can take that issue to the bishop or something. You know, right. so right. it does become relevant in those circumstances. So, what what are some of the tough questions you guys get, or or the ones that maybe, uh, because obviously, you have to do more than answer the the, the specific caller or the specific question. You have a, a broad audience. You're 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 yeah. you're talking to them as well. You're not just trying to to answer this one person's question uh you're yeah i mean we have you as a guest and we love having you as a guest but we are hoping that it serves our reader our, our listeners you know sure sure yeah so you asked you know what's the tough questions i mean it, you know it's all it's always going to depend on sort of the nature of the question and how deep it gets theologically sometimes the toughness comes by way of this is a topic that just naturally lends itself to high philosophical reasoning, say. If somebody's asking for uh, evidence for God's existence, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's just automatically in the realm of philosophy. And whenever you're in the realm of philosophy, it's a bit difficult to articulate it in a way that's accessible for your average Joe, everyday pew-going Catholic, right. who doesn't have philosophical training, without losing proper nuances and the robustness of an argument for God's existence. So that's a toughness. That's a difficulty. Sometimes uh, the difficulty sort of um, the emotional response. So if a person calls in with the, with the question concerning the problem of evil, uh-huh. like we can solve the problem of evil intellectually and show that it's not a problem intellectually speaking, but it's always difficult emotionally, right? It's an emotional problem often when it comes to accepting the idea that God permitted this evil in my life, knowing that there's some greater good that I do not know. That's an emotional difficulty, and that's always difficult to deal with uh, on the radio because you can provide an intellectual answer, uh, but that only goes so far solving the emotional a difficulty that's present. And sometimes it's just difficulty with theological issues. Like if somebody calls in asking about the question of predestination, right? Oh, sure. And, and God's eternal plan of permitting some to end in mortal sin, in their lives in mortal sin, whereas God gives the grace of repentance at the moment of death as to why God does one thing rather than another. Those are difficulties that we simply have to bow in humility uh, in the darkness of mystery and recognize that mystery and say, we do not know. We can only defend God in this case, knowing that it's not an injustice for him to permit somebody to die in mortal sin. And so it's questions like that that are often difficult as well. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the <laughs> people always, uh, you know, non-Catholics will say, "What are what are what are these mysteries of the Rosary?" You know, why why is your faith uh, full of mysteries? And you go, "Well, um, you 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 tell me uh, the the body and blood of Christ." You know the 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 real presence, and I, I'm just so thrilled with the Eucharistic, you know, revival. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a, it's it's a wonderful project, if you will. And but, uh, wh- wh- you know, I accept it because those were Jesus's words. I, I accept sure. it as truth. I don't even need to believe it. It's it's like a belief is one thing to say I believe this. I just know it's true. Doesn't matter if I believe it or not; it's still true. And right. Yeah. And but, but why that had to be? Why? Why? Why couldn't it be just a symbol? Why didn't? Couldn't it be? Jesus have said, "Take this bread and think of it as a symbol of of my life and and my words and and all that, you know, and do it in remembrance of me." But no, he says, "Take this. This is my body. Take this. This is my blood." I don't know why it had to be that way. Oh, sure. I accept that it's true, but it's it's a mystery why it needs to be his body and blood. Obviously, sure. it does need to be that way, but I don't know why it does. Right. It's not absolutely necessary that God gave us the sacrament. We right. could have an order of providence where we don't have the sacrament. It, but, it, it, you know, we could offer theological reasons why it's fitting that God would do this and give us these sacraments in these ways, and that's important, and that sheds light, some light, mm-hmm. in, uh, in, the, in the mystery there. Uh, but you're right, it's not absolutely necessary. But we know it is true because uh, Holy Mother Church has definitively taught us so and in interpreting these words of Christ. But I might mention, Bob, you know, that uh, I have some sympathy for our Protestant brothers and sisters who read these texts, say in John chapter 6, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and this is my body, the words of that at the Last Supper, uh, because they, they have alternative readings of these texts mm-hmm. that without further training and reflection, one would be justified in interpreting these texts mm-hmm. in the symbolic way. Sure. Uh, so I address this issue in my new book, Meeting the Protestant Response, How to Answer Common Combats to Catholic Beliefs, published by Catholic Answers Press recently, this past July, where I go through these texts, the words of institution and the blood of life discourse, and I articulate and explain what Protestant apologists say in response to our Catholic reading of these texts, and then I show ultimately why these Protestant comebacks fail and do not succeed in refuting our Catholic reading of these texts, but at least one can see that our Protestant brothers and sisters, uh, they, they at least have some alternative, reasonable alternative reading of these texts yeah. that ultimately, again, do not succeed in the end. That's very charitable of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's just a, it's a fact, you know, sure. because sure. if I did not have the training that I have and the resources that I have, in reading these Protestant combats and alternative readings of the text, I might be one inclined sure. to adopt their reading, right? But God, for whatever reason in His providence, has blessed me with resources and with uh, the opportunities to be able to sift through these alternative readings and come to see that the Catholic reading of these texts uh, are the most persuasive and reasonable. We're talking with Carlo Broussard of Catholic Answers. He will be here Saturday, November the 5th uh, for a Men's Faith Day at St. Mel's Parish. Uh, the Holy Rosary will begin the day at 8 a.m., Holy Mass at 8.30 a.m., a continental breakfast, uh, talks with uh, Carlo, including Q&A. So uh, get your Q's ready, and he'll have the A's for you. And then a great barbecue lunch and uh, even opportunities for a confession, and it all concludes at 3.45 uh, you can call St. Mel's at 916-612-0479 to sign up. Also, on Friday evening, a family faith renewal, uh, November 4th, 7 to 9 p.m. Carla will give a, a talk for the entire family, God's plan for the family, and there will be free Leatherby's ice cream. Carla, I don't know if you've seen the flyer for the Friday night event, but the ice cream kind of dominates the page. <laughs> 
I did not see that, no, but that's okay. I must decrease that ice cream mate increase. <laughs> that's great. So tell us a, li- a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got involved with Catholic Answers, and how you've become, you know, uh, a traveling man. Yeah, so, uh, well, I come from southern Louisiana, coming from a music background. I was pursuing a music career in Cajun music. I played the Cajun accordion from the time I was 12 to 20. I was on the, in, the, in the bars on the bandstand with my own band from 13 on, and I was pursuing that career, but I gave it up uh, to pursue theology and philosophy because the Lord got a hold to me, uh, got a hold of me through the ministry of my now colleague and good friend, Tim Staples, in hearing his conversion story and being introduced to apologetics for the first time, that's about 17 and a half, I guess. And by God's grace, I was attracted to apologetics, fell in love with the Lord, and was convicted in my faith and started studying, and came to realize that I felt God was calling me uh, to do apologetics, or at least to do ministry, to teach the faith, because I had a burning in the bosom, right? (laughs) I had a burning desire to want to study theology. So I gave up my pursuit of my musical career in southern Louisiana, and began studying theology formally. And the Lord led me one step at a time to eventually getting my degrees in theology, a degree in philosophy, working for my pastor uh, back in southern Louisiana, and eventually starting my own 501c3 Institute for Adult Faith Formation, which was uh, sponsored by some donors in central Washington, where I was living for four years, worked with Father Robert Spitzer in the Magis Center, and that, of course, was a stepping stone for me coming on here at Catholic Answers seven years ago to work as a full-time apologist and speaker. So that's sort of the life, the life story in a nutshell. Well, if you knew Father Spitzer, uh, <laughs> you have my admiration. What a, what a great man he is. Indeed, where yeah, were you yeah. in central Washington? And uh, Yakima Diocese. Oh, sure. Natchee. Yeah, when Nazi yeah. Washington. Great, right on the uh, River. Uh, Apple country. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so my wife was from there. My wife's mother was living there. So after eight years of starting our family in my hometown in southern Louisiana, we decided to move there, and I had some benefactors who were willing to support me in my ministry uh, for adult faith formation. And I did that for four years, the last two years, working full-time as well with Father Robert Spitzer. Boy, when you when you come into Wenatchee from the south, it's such a vista <laughs> between the yeah. orchards and the mountains, and what a, what a, what a beautiful little town that is. Where were you in southern in southern Louisiana? What town were you in? A uh, little town called Crowley, which is uh, eighteen miles west of Lafayette. Okay. So Lafayette, Louisiana, sort of the marker there. I was I was walking the college campus in Lafayette one time, and oh, yeah? an alligator came out of the pond. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was like, I said, oh, my goodness, I, I, I think that's an alligator. Like, I, I'm not in a zoo, and there's no fence. Yeah, yeah you got to be careful. <laughs> what was that, South, was Southwestern? What, what, uh, uh, in Lafayette, that would have been, it used to be known as University State of Louisiana, uh, USL. Now it's called URL, University of Lafayette, Louisiana. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was stunned. I survived, but I, <laughs> I was stunned. <laughs> have you ever heard of Queen Ida? I have not. No. Okay, I, I think I dated myself. She used to travel around. And she called herself the Cajun Queen, and she had her accordion yeah. and. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. I think she was yeah. actually from California, but. She was Cajun, you know, and and she was she would put on a show. She was so yes, just that infectious, infectious music. Well, Carla, it is so great of you to take the time to be with us today. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Everybody out here is excited about seeing you, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing you for ice cream and a talk on the fourth, and then the men's uh, faith day on the fifth. Thanks, thanks so yeah. much, and God bless your ministry. Bob, take care, buddy. Yeah, you too. That's. Uh, Carla Broussard, who uh, will be at St. Mel's. Again, the uh, phone number, 
612-402-0479. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, James, for that uh, wonderful introduction and for all uh, the Choral Society does here. Uh, they are uh, just they've, they've scheduled their Christmas concert. Uh, it is going to take place December the 10th, always a, a great event at the Memorial Auditorium Home for the Holidays. Also, their stained glass uh, uh, concert will take place on October 22nd at Fremont Presbyterian, and uh, always a, a, a great a great event. And we are pleased now to welcome in Angela Hessel, who is the executive director of Loaves and Fishes right here in Sacramento. Angela, good day to you. Hi, good. Hello, how are you? Doing fine. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked. Yes, no, I, it's good to hear your voice again. Yes, yours too. I, I presume between between then and now you've solved all the problems of the world? We're done. Yep. You're done. We're good. You're We're good done. To go. <laughs> We're all out of business. <laughs> Indeed. Um, oh, wow. So we've gone from 117 degrees in September wow, to yes. uh, three or four inches of rain all in one day on the <laughs> in late September. Uh, neither of those things are very good for your clientele. Right. Well, neither one are ideal for folks who are who are living outside, and there's a lot. There's a lot to navigate these days for folks. So we're we're here to help one day at a time, and and do what we can to meet them where they are, and and appreciate those needs for what they are, and do what we can. We, you know, we we hear over and over and over again about homeless. There've been, uh, mm-hmm. you know, plans, many plans. Uh, uh, there've been sweeps. I uh, one of the ways I come to work i uh see uh one one day there were rvs and trucks and old buses and everything just lining as long as far as you could see and the next day there was nothing and what happens when they do a sweep what happens to the people you know a lot of those folks living in in various places where there become a lot of folks living in one place, they become a community. Mm-hmm. And so when those when those sweeps happen, that community is fractured and folks are for the large portion of them they're scattered. And so they're they're kind of uh, maybe their belongings have 
been confiscated or or thrown away. Um, sometimes that happens. Sometimes they're able to get their things and move along before this actual sweep day happens. Um, but for the most part, it's a lot of re-traumatizing folks because they, you know, may have established a bit of a community, some stability. Folks rely on each other, and now all of a sudden they're out to center themselves again to find a different place to be. Um, so it, it becomes it becomes very difficult, and it kind of continues that cycle of of movement for folks um, and kind of that upending of their lives when when the sweeps happen. It's very difficult. So as inflation rages on, I guess not quite as bad as it was in the summer, uh, but still very significant. How how is that affecting your operation, number one, but also the people you serve? And, and we're seeing increases in even though we do our best to um, use donated food when we when we have it or um, buy, buy in bulk. One of our challenges is that we are feeding several hundred folks every single day, so there's a large volume of food that's needed. So we're seeing some some costs some cost increases, especially as we're starting to prepare for the holidays. Thanksgiving is our big meal on campus, is our big celebration for the holidays. Um, so we're preparing for some of those things. But inflation has, you know, utilities just running our programs and buildings and facilities and things of that nature. It's, it's all getting more and more expensive. So we're, we're doing the best we can to mediate some of that. And um, this is where those donations come in quite handy because those are expenses that we can't just eliminate or say we're not going to provide anymore, um, you know, and it's something when it comes down to paying the water bill because our shower house is running five, six days a week, we're, we're not going to stop allowing folks to come and shower. We're going to find a way to pay the water bill. Yeah, like as, as great as your volunteers are, they, they, they can't provide water or power. Right. Those are those are things that only donations can provide mm -hmm. and, and help us pay for. So we're we're looking at the, watching those things increase and, and finding ways to to supplement so that we can make sure we keep doing those things for folks. How do, how does it affect your clients? Uh, both both what services you can provide mm -hmm. to them, but also just how it is, is the number of people you're seeing gone up or down, or or you seeing newer newer faces. We're seeing a lot more newer new faces. Um, you know, there's there's kind of the the crew of folks that have been here for a few years, and we get to know them, and, and they're familiar, and and we know their stories, and we're able to help them as best we can. But we're also starting to see an influx of a lot more new faces. People who are new to homelessness, new to loaves and fishes, don't necessarily know what all of our services are or what they can get by coming here and, and what support what that support looks like. So we're doing um, a lot more getting to know folks, a lot more kind of stepping back and, and greeting, meeting them where they are and getting to know their names and their faces and, and trying to make sure we're asking the right questions so that we're able to fill what they need, even if it's just for today. Um, and sometimes folks don't realize all of, all of what we do. I, um, you know, I ran into one woman this morning who stopped me and asked me if I worked here. And I said, yes, I do. How can I help you? Um, and she was asking me if there was a, a place where women could shower. She was in mm -hmm. Friendship Park, and she heard them talking about the men's shower house, but didn't realize that just on the other side of our campus is where Mary House is located, where she could access mm -hmm. a shower. And, um, you know, she was asking about mail service and where she could um, get her mail sent so that she doesn't lose some of the benefits that she has coming to her by mm -hmm. mail. Um, and those are things that Mary House can do for women and that Friendship Park can do for men, but she just didn't know that that existed on the other side of our campus. So sometimes it's a lot of a lot of help to navigate those different things. Well, I wouldn't have even thought about mail. That's, that's yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're, uh, there's probably 30 services you provide that just wouldn't even occur to the average person. Yeah, we do allow folks to use our mailing address as, as a place where they can receive mail. And then between uh, Mary House and Friendship Park, we are able to allow folks to check their mail every day to see if they, they've received anything. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, particularly useful. 
this time of year with the election coming up and a lot of folks are are registering to vote and, mm-hmm. and using our address and we're able to give them their ballots and let them let them do that and then a block away at first step communities they are a um, registered a voting site for folks mm-hmm. for for this upcoming election and that's just a block away so we're able to help folks get their ballots register to vote the county's here twice this month to help folks register and understand what all of that means um, and then they can just walk a block or two away to first step communities to submit their ballot when those polling places open uh, up in, in November that's so, very heartening I, I I kind of assume that you know most people in homeless community that uh, voting might be the furthest thing from their mind but that's that's very encouraging yeah we're you know the we're working on providing as many opportunities for that kind of thing as possible so that that folks just because they're homeless they can they can still participate in those pieces of our society that are sometimes lost to them um but it doesn't have to be that way we just might have to be a little bit more creative and work together to make it happen but we're absolutely willing to do that and and we're doing it and it's it's been really great great experience for them to to have that have that right returned to them take us through some of some of the uh well, take us through a, a, a number of the services that you do offer. I mean, people, obviously, they think of loaves and fishes, and they think of the, the, the daily meal and, and et cetera, but they, they probably don't think about a lot of the other services you offer. There's a lot of, yeah, there, there are many things in addition to our meal, although that is kind of the backbone of our organization is, is providing that sustenance every day, but... We do have other things, including a mental health clinic called Genesis, um, which is a no-barrier mental health clinic for folks. So some some of our guests that um, use our therapists at Genesis come every week for an appointment, and some just kind of walk in when they feel like they are having a really stressful day and, and need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's another thing that, that we offer. And um, from what I understand or my experience we're one of the only places in sacramento that for folks that are experiencing homelessness that is a walk-in as well as scheduled appointments and since wow. we don't take any government funding we don't bill medi-cal we don't have to worry about some of those other qualifying things if somebody right. showed up and needed help today we would we would meet them where they are and serve them boy uh, that's that's got to be a great help to so many people it's it's a great comfort to a lot of folks as mm-hmm. well yeah for sure um, Mustard Seed School is our, our small private school for children that are experiencing homelessness along with their parents. And sometimes it's hard for kids to maintain in public school if they're not staying in the same place from night to night. Whatever school they attended last might not, they might not be able to get there every day. But if their families are coming here for the rest of our services every day, we can help them enroll into school and maintain their education here. Um, and then once the family becomes more stable again and they're able to enroll back into public school, we help walk the parents through that process. So we're doing a lot of, we call it emergency education, which really for us means kind of on on a one-on-one basis between our our teaching staff and a lot of community volunteers working with students um, to see what they need today. And kids that experience homeless don't always make it to school every day, and so there's a lot of gaps in their education. So... Our goal is to kind of try to fill as many of those gaps as possible and, and keep the kids in the routine of going to school so that just because they're homeless, they don't have to miss out on having that community and, and classroom environment and friendships and recess and all those things, that all those benefits of kids going to school. Um, so it's another another one of our hidden gems on campus um, that, uh, that folks don't always hear about. How, do, how does that work? Obviously, um, you know, I mean, you're dealing with a kid that maybe wasn't there yesterday and might not be there tomorrow, or maybe he's going to be there a week or maybe a month. Um, I'm just speculating. Right. And plus, a, all different age groups. That's right. that's not really predictable, I guess. Uh, how do you how you structure that into a school setting? Yeah, well, um, our teachers are are able to be very flexible because uh, you're right. Like you said, you know the. For example, one of the classrooms might have first, second, and third grade in it. So you could mm-hmm. have a kid in each of those grades, and you might have a third grader who's reading at a fifth grade level or a third grader who's reading at a first grade level mm-hmm. just based on who they are and what they've had 
in terms of education. But the way that we kind of approach that in terms of, of that is we do have a resource specialist who does academic testing with each new student. So the teacher has kind of a picture of where the gaps are and, and what each kid's strengths and weaknesses are. But then beyond that, we try to have our lessons be something that are general enough that could reach multiple age groups, but is something that the kids could start and finish in one day. Mm-hmm. So if, if the kids that are here today are not here tomorrow, tomorrow is a new day. They might do a lesson that's related to something they did today, but if somebody shows up tomorrow, they could pick up and don't have to worry about the fact that they weren't here yesterday. So it's, we try to kind of have lessons that can be started and completed, all the work started and completed in one day. So it's not a big project that they have to work on for the next two weeks like they might in public school. And if they miss a couple days, they're going to miss out and not be able to pick mm-hmm. up on those pieces later. So it's, it's a little bit more work on our teachers, and we utilize a lot of volunteers who are maybe retired teachers or student teachers or um, folks who are just interested in kind of helping kids navigate those different situations. Um, but it is, it is definitely a challenge. It is, I will tell you from my personal experience mm-hmm. as a former teacher at Mustard Seed, it is, not, it is not easy to kind of try to reach a large group of kids with, with a range of ability levels. But that's where, that's where the volunteer support comes in, and it's, it's wonderful to be able to um, have some of that expertise in the room and um, work through it one day at a time. Uh, on any given day, about how many kids would you have in the school? It fluctuates. Um, I, I know yesterday we had about 24 kids that attended um, in grades. We only go preschool through eighth grade. We don't mm-hmm. have a we don't have a high school program. Right. A lot of those kids are able to maintain on public transportation and stay within their public schools mm-hmm. or independent study programs and things like that. But between preschool from preschool to eighth grade, we had 24 kids. Um, which means that we likely have 30 to 35 students enrolled because not everybody is able to come every day or we might get new kids tomorrow or new kid, a new family today or something like that. But that's kind of our average. It's somewhere around 20, 20 to 30 students a day. I think, pe- I think people would be stunned to know that there's 20 or 30 kids at Loaves and Fishes. I, 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 yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think that's kind of the stereotype that people have in mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't I think you're right. I think it's it's a it's a, family homelessness is kind of one of those things that's quite invisible a lot of the time. It's hard to it's hard to highlight and and you know, it's not the parents with children that you see sleeping on the sidewalk downtown or um, you know, in in these more visible encampments. They're a little because of children and because of their different vulnerabilities and, and because parents are afraid, are afraid for their children's safety, they're a little more a little more hidden and they tend to be a little bit more protected from mm-hmm. from the visibility of homelessness. So it's it's definitely a unique unique challenge um, to reach them and, and make sure they're served. You know, one one word that thinking about this that uh, brings tears to my eyes is the word homework. You know, and you, you, you think, oh, do they have homework? And then you realize that that word's based on the word home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, it, absolutely. It's it's so it's it's just it's it's hard to think about it that way. You know, like like um, what the, what they yeah. must be going through, and then you know, and the 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 lack of of you know, peer friendship and things, it's not always going to be lacking, but it's certainly, and and just being in a school setting is going to, going to help to fill some of that gap as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And our, our school at Mustard Seed doesn't, doesn't issue homework, um, mostly for the fact that we, we understand that. And we know that, you know, this might be a family staying in a car that after a certain hour doesn't have light and, Um, that's going to be really hard for that child to complete that math worksheet or, or right. whatnot um, and bring it back the next day, or they might not be able to make it back the next day to turn in the homework. Exactly. So we do get some parents that want their kids to have that routine and want to and have the, have the energy and the time to work with their kids um, after school. And so in those types of situations, we will um, definitely send home workbooks or, or give kids things to work on at home. Um, but we don't require that they bring it back the next day. It's, it's more to 
supplement what they're doing and, and help help the parents who want to give their kids a little bit extra after school. But we also understand that due to the stresses of being homeless and, and trying to find dinner for your family and where to sleep and, and some of those other things, that not all parents have that ability and that time. So we, we respect that and, and don't don't require that kids bring back homework, but provide it if they, if they want it. So you, obviously, uh, pandemic or not, you see people who are who are sick, uh, a variety of ailments. What can you do for them? Well, on site at Loaves and Fishes, we have a partnership with Sacramento County and also uh, Dignity Health to run a primary care clinic. So it is Loaves and Fishes houses it. It's called Mercy Clinic, and they're here five days a week, Monday through Friday. There's a doctor from either UC Davis or Sacramento County that staffs the clinic in addition to their, their uh, admin and nursing staff that are here. And so they can, they can help folks triage various health problems, and they can administer medications from anything from an emergency round of penicillin to uh, insulin if somebody is diabetic and just needs that support. Um, they also do various other substance abuse uh, treatments and, and counseling with some other staff that they bring in through Sacramento County. So we do we do have that on site, and then obviously they, they can help triage different emergency situations um, as well. One of the other unique things about Wilson Fishes is that right kind of nestled in the middle of our campus is um, Sac City Fire Engine 14, who has mm-hmm. EMTs available. So if, if we have any type of really urgent emergency and we need to call 911, typically they are who respond and they're, they just kind of run around on foot to help us out with some of those things. Oh, that's right. Um, and so we've, we've got some, some support with kind of the emergency triage end of it and then Mercy Clinic for some of the ongoing and other, other needs that, that folks have related and, to their health. Angela, what can, what can our listeners uh, do? What, uh, what sort of needs do you have that uh, our listeners might be able to help with? Uh, you know, right now, one of our biggest needs is, interestingly enough, men's pants. Hmm. Um, we are low on men's pants and then shoes of all sizes for men and women. Um, this is the time of year where we, we give out a lot of a lot of shoes, and then we're always interested in collecting things like sleeping bags, tents, uh, tarps to keep people dry and as the wet weather is approaching sometime. Yeah, sometime. Than later, in another likely. couple of years, maybe. Uh, we'll see what the drought uh, yeah. does to us this year. Um, but to, for us to, to be prepared, because, you know, as you mentioned earlier today, sometimes sometimes the rain comes and we're not expecting it, and right. it's, it's much more intense than anticipated. So we're trying to collect donations for those kinds of things ahead of time so that when it happens, um, we are prepared to help folks navigate it as, as we need to. Very good. Very good. And... The Thanksgiving meal, uh, that's, that's still a ways away, but do you take donations of food for that? Yes, we will. We do, we do take donations of food for that, and we are finalizing our needs list for that specific meal, and it should be up on our website in about a week or so. So if folks are interested in helping us uh, collect some of the food donations for that, um, I'd say maybe in a Give me about a week or so, and then check out www.sacloves.org on the needs list tab. It'll be there. Very good, sacloves.org. Very good. Angela, thanks so much for uh, all you do. Uh, You're doing the Lord's work out there in the vineyard, and uh, we greatly appreciate it, and I know an awful lot of people do too. And thanks so much for taking the time to be with us this morning. Thank you for having me. It's it's always a joy to talk to you, and we're grateful for any support folks can, can offer. Very, very, very good. God bless you and your ministry, and uh, I hope our paths cross again soon. Sounds good. I do, too. Thanks, Thanks Angela. That's uh, Angela Hassel, the executive director of Loaves and Fishes, one of those people in Sacramento that we're just lucky she is here and uh, are really dedicated to, uh, I don't know if they're solving the problem of homelessness, but they are dealing with the problem of homelessness, and uh providing a lot of services on a a daily, uh, regular basis to people that are uh, very definitely in need. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon.
This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. Uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Inside of me, I feel your spirit is moving around me. I hear You win. 